Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when we get to this point in the year, I'm sure most of you are looking forward to some warmer weather. Uh, thankfully, for the last few days, we have enjoyed some temperatures that felt somewhat spring-like, and it felt really nice. Personally, I can't wait to get digging in the soil and get the garden going. Uh, perhaps some of you are the same. While gardeners usually enjoy the entire process of gardening, from sowing seeds to watering and fertilizing and just watching the plants grow, there's one thing that all gardeners want. They want their plants to reach their maximum potential. If you plant flowers, you want your plants to come into full bloom. If you plant some strawberries, strawberry plants, Eventually, you want to enjoy some juicy strawberries. If you plant an apple tree, eventually you want to eat some delicious apples. And you know what? This is also the desire God has for us. The Lord is a master gardener, and He wants to enjoy fruit from us, His people. Of course, God is not looking for physical fruit like apples, but he's looking for beautiful spiritual fruit to be produced in the hearts and lives of us, his children. And this is what God has always wanted for his people from the beginning of history to, to, to now to, and to the end. Time and again in the Bible, God makes clear that this is what he wants. Here's only a few examples. In Psalm 1, the blessed man is like a tree that yields its fruit in season. John the Baptist, likewise, preached to the Jewish leaders saying, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And we could list many more examples. But the question we want to focus on this morning is, how do we do that? If fruit-bearing is so important, if that's what God wants from us, again, how do we do that? How do we bear fruit to God? Well, the Lord Jesus shows us the way from our text this morning. The main message he gives us is this, remain in me. Remain in me. And if you do that, then you will indeed bear much fruit. And that brings us to the sermon theme. Remain in Christ in order to bear fruit for God. We're going to look at three things in connection with that theme. We'll look at, first of all, the true vine. Second of all, we'll look at fruit bearing. And finally, we'll look at abiding in love. Now, throughout the gospel of John, the Lord Jesus makes various I am statements. I am the bread of of life, he says in chapter 6. I am the light of the world. That's chapter 8. I am the good shepherd. That's chapter 10, and so on. And he made these statements to teach us who he is and what he does. And here in our text, he gives another one of his I am statements. He says, I am the true vine. Now, there is a rich Old Testament background to this image. 
In multiple places, the Lord refers to his people Israel as a vine, a vine which God himself planted. Think of Psalm 80, which we sang from earlier. You, Lord, brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. So God planted Israel in the land of Canaan to be his people. And God did that because he wanted to see the vine that was his people bear fruit. Now, that was God's desire. But as we see from the Old Testament, there was a problem with that vine. Instead of bearing fruit for God, Israel largely produced fruit for sin and death. We see this described in the books of the prophets in multiple places. Listen to Isaiah 5. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He built a hedge around it, removed its stones, and planted a vine, referring to Israel. He built a tower in the middle of it and constructed a wine press. He waited for it to produce edible grapes, but it produced sour ones instead. Then there are God's words to Israel in Jeremiah 2. I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? That was Israel because of their sin. And because of their corruption, the Lord brought judgment on that Old Testament vine, his people. The prophet Ezekiel describes how God uprooted this vine. He threw it on the ground and burned it with fire. And while God always preserved a faithful remnant, the majority of that vine, Israel, was removed, especially in the exile. Now, in contrast to Old Testament Israel, listen again to Jesus' words from our text. He says, I am not just the vine, but the true vine. That is to say, I am the embodiment of what every vine should be. In me, God's purposes for his people are finally brought about. I'm the one who gives true life to the branches so that God's people can finally and consistently bear fruit to God. Something that did not happen for so many years in Israel. And so the message to Jesus' disciples in this passage, as the Lord Jesus is teaching them here, is first of all this. This is a new era of God's dealings with his people. The Lord was now forming his people anew in and around the person of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the true vine, that makes him the true Israel. And from now on, Israel, or God's people, will be found in Christ by being joined to him. This was a message to Jesus' disciples at, the turning, at this important turning point in salvation history. But that message still carries on today. 
Christ is the continuation of Israel and is the true Israel, the true vine. We belong to the true Israel of God in Him by our union with Christ. As the Lord Jesus says here, I am the vine and we are the branches. We have been grafted into Him. Now, grafting is a common practice in the world of horticulture and, and fruit growing. In grafting, a little notch is cut into the bark or skin of the plant, the main plant, and then the end of a branch is then inserted into that notch and it's secured there. The Lord Jesus teaches this, uh, that that's, this is how it is between us and Him. He is the main vine, He is the vine, we are the branches. We have been joined to Him. And as the true vine, the Lord Jesus is a source of spiritual life for us, the branches. And the message of the entire New Testament is that we must, as the branches, draw our spiritual life in and through Christ and Him alone. Take Romans 8, for example. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who lives in you. We have spiritual life in and through the person of Christ. And so much so that the Lord Jesus says here in this text, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's quite astonishing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't bear fruit to God in yourself apart from Christ. And so it's no wonder he then emphasizes in this passage, abide in me, my people. Remain in me. I am the source of your spiritual life. In me, you will finally do what God has always wanted for his people, to produce fruit, beautiful fruit to his glory. That brings us to our second point. So as we've just seen, Jesus is the true vine. This means he's perfect in every way, and the source of perfect life for the branches, us. And this also means Christ will always remain as the vine of God. Right? Old Testament Israel was called uh, the vine that God had planted. But again, they were largely uh, uprooted, judged, and removed. But that's not how it is with Christ. He's a true vine. He will always remain. However, even though Christ, the true vine, will always remain, this does not mean individual branches will always remain on the vine. The Lord Jesus makes it clear that some branches in him will be removed. They are removed when they fail to bear fruit. Now, we might wonder, well, how can that be? If Jesus is the true vine, how can branches in him possibly fail to bear fruit? 
Well, when that happens, the problem is not in any way in the vine. Rather, the problem is with the branches. Think of the image of grafting again. When a branch is grafted into a plant, sometimes the graft does not take. There may be a mechanical connection between the branch and the main stem, but that's it. Over time, they never truly become one. They never experience a true living connection between them. And so the branch never receives the life-giving sap from the main stem. And you know what? When that happens, it's impossible for such a branch to ever produce fruit. It's because a branch doesn't have life in itself. And so the branch, if it doesn't receive that living union with the main stem, it will die. The Lord Jesus is teaching us here. The same thing can happen among the people of God. Well, the next question is this. Well, who are these branches that fail to bear fruit and wither away? Well, it could refer, first of all, to hypocrites who have made a false confession of Christ. As Article 29 of the Belgian Confession describes it, there are hypocrites who are mixed in the church along with the good, and yet are not part of the church, although they are outwardly in it. However, I think it also likely refers to members of the covenant who never embrace Christ in faith. You see, all the children of believers are grafted to the vine, that is Jesus Christ. And that does not mean that covenant children are regenerated. Not at all. However, God's covenant does give us a connection to Christ. As the Lord's 827 of the Catechism puts it, by baptism, a sign of the covenant, the children of believers are incorporated into the Christian church, which is the body of Christ. But even though that is the case, covenant children still need to grow up and embrace Christ by faith. And only then will there be a true living union with the Lord Jesus. And so, children and younger members, please listen to this message. Let me make this crystal clear for you. It's a wonderful thing to grow up as a covenant child. God has given you a connection to the life-giving vine, Jesus Christ. But you can't grow up taking this all for granted. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be truly joined to him in your heart. And if you harden your heart against the good news of Christ, you will never experience a true living union with the Lord Jesus. And if you do that, if you harden yourself in unbelief, you will fail to bear fruit. And eventually you will die. 
And this will result in judgment by God, and a severe judgment, as we read here. Listen to how Christ describes it in our text. My Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you want an example of this, just look at someone like Judas Iscariot. He went with Jesus everywhere. He was a member of the covenant. He heard Jesus teach and preach. But he never put his faith in the Lord Jesus for salvation. As a result, Judas never produced fruit. And so just two chapters earlier in John 13, he was removed. He, he left the company of Christ and his disciples and was going to do the work of the devil. See that, beloved. Make sure you don't follow him down that path. The end of that is death. So that's the negative side, the warning. However, the emphasis of Christ here is also on the promise. And let me first give some comfort to those who may doubt. You know, perhaps what I just said about branches being removed and thrown away and burned, maybe that makes you fearful because you can't see fruit in your own life. Perhaps you, will, you fear that God will remove, remove you from the vine in judgment. If you fear that way, please do not go there in your heart. If you struggle in that way, remember God's promise. A bruised reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. No matter how dead you might feel in your own heart, it doesn't depend on you. In Christ, you will produce fruit by God's power, even if you can't see it yourself. And no matter who we are this morning, we must all look to the promises of Christ in this text. How do we bear fruit? Well, again, the power comes from Christ and in Him. Apart from me, you can do nothing, says Jesus. And you know what? In Greek, he, he uses a double negative for emphasis. And so literally, he says... Apart from me, you can't do nothing. I know that's kind of improper in English, but in the Greek language, they use that for emphasis. Jesus is saying, you really can't do anything apart from me. And what an important point to understand. Imagine the branch of an apple tree separates itself from the trunk of the tree. It falls to the ground, but still imagine it can grow some apples. So there it lies, thinking that it can produce fruit all by itself. We know that it can't. The branch is only going to die. It's the same thing with us and Christ. This means we need a true living connection to Him and to remain in Him. This comes to us, first of all, by faith in Christ, believing in Him. Believing in the Lord Jesus results in the washing away of your sins. As the Lord Jesus says in verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Right? Christ has cleansed our hearts by faith. 
You can know that about yourself if you believe in Jesus. Your sins are washed away in His blood. Furthermore, believing in Christ results in a living union with Christ. As the Spirit teaches us in Ephesians 3, Christ lives in your heart by faith. So Christ lives in believers, each of you, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is that life-giving nourishment that comes from the vine to the branches. So we could think of the Holy Spirit like the the sap that brings life from the main stem uh, to to a branch on the plant. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us, and so believing in Christ will cause us to bear fruit. Or perhaps it's better to say Christ will produce fruit in us by the Spirit. Christ emphasizes the need to abide in Him and to remain in Him. He says, Abide in me and I in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, it means continuing to believe in Him. It means to understand and believe who you are in the Lord Jesus. That you are a new creation in Him. <clears throat> you have been given a heart of flesh. You have been raised with the Lord. You have new life. You are His. You've been bought by His blood. Remaining in Christ means to hold fast to His teaching means, as Colossians 3 puts it, to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Letting the Word of Christ, His teaching, His message, His gospel remain in you means you will remain in Christ and bear fruit. Union with Christ is nourished by the Word of God. It means to live in fellowship with Jesus Christ and to keep coming Him for grace. If you do this, you will bear fruit by God's power. You will. And to produce abundant fruit, one more thing needs to happen. We also need to undergo the pruning of the Father. As the Lord Jesus says, His Father is a vine dresser. And as a master gardener, He prunes us to make us even more fruitful in the Lord. That's what gardeners do to their plants. They don't just let them grow wild. They prune them so that they grow even better. You know what? Sometimes that can look pretty drastic. You watch a landscaper at work, sometimes they cut off huge piles of branches from a plant. You wonder if they're going to do damage to that plant. You know, there are lots of lilac bushes around Winnipeg. Perhaps you have some in your own garden. They'll grow wild and out of control and if you just leave them to themselves. Often you need to prune them back sharply. It can look quite drastic, but in the end, it will make the plant more beautiful. It's the same thing with the pruning God the Father does in our lives. He works to cut off everything spiritually dead in us, or that will cause us to bear less fruit. You know what? The pruning of God can hurt. No one enjoys going through this pruning pruning process because it brings temporary pain. But remember, God is the master gardener. He has a good purpose. 
He never makes a wrong move with his pruning shears. Instead, he's directing all things in our lives so that we would become even more fruitful. That brings us to our last point. Now, the last question to ask of our text is this. What exactly is this spiritual fruit we are to bear? Well, Scripture speaks a, a lot about the fruit God the Father wants to see in us. There's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. There's the fruit of righteousness and obedience. There's the fruit of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. We could also mention the fruit of living in a day-to-day relationship with God, a relationship that's often expressed in prayer. And that's something Christ specifically mentions in verse 7. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Right? Prayer, seeking the Lord's blessing. Now, when you hear the Lord's words, you might wonder what he's saying. Uh, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Does that mean we can just ask for whatever we, all, we, we want, and we'll get it? If you pray to God to give you a million dollars, is he going to give you a million dollars? That's what it might sound like at first. However, notice that he says, if we remain in him and his words remain in us. Before this, he says that. And earlier in John 14, he taught us to ask for things in his name, in Jesus' name. If we are in Christ and his words are in us, and we ask in Jesus' name, this means we will be asking in line with the God's will. And when we ask for things in line with God's will, he hears us. That's what Jesus is getting at here. But there's something even more fundamental than all this. The main fruit the Lord Jesus emphasizes here is the fruit of love. Just after our text in verse 12, Christ says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And this is something he's been emphasizing for two chapters already in, in John's gospel. In chapter 13, he said virtually this, the same thing. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And the aspect of love is repeated again in John 14. This is the main fruit God wants to see in his people, the fruit of love. It's because it's the fulfillment of the two great commandments to love God and our neighbor as ourselves. And to this, Christ adds, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in in his love. Now, when we read those words, it might appear to be a, a bit of a tricky saying. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I wonder if Christ is putting us in a workspace relationship with God. But the best way to understand this is with some careful distinctions regarding God's love. God's love for his children is eternal, it does not change. In Christ, we are God's children and always will be. However, the living relationship between us and God is not static. 
God's love for his children grows as we grow more like Jesus in displaying self-giving love. This is how it is between God the Father and his own son, Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus himself said back in John 10. There he said, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. It doesn't mean that Jesus was in a workspace relationship with the Father. Father's love for his Son is eternal. However, the Father's delight in his Son grew all the more as the Lord Jesus gave himself up for us in love and in obedience to the Father. This means that the Father's love for Christ reached its, its pinnacle at the cross as the Lord Jesus gave himself in complete devotion and obedience to God. Similarly, we abide in Christ's love if we keep his commandments. What is his commandment? That we love one another as he has loved us. And Christ says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, that we lay down our life for each other. Doing this will only increase our love and Christ's delight in us. And it will increase our joy. Jesus ends our text with these words. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen.